Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John. Welcome back to The Love of Cinema, part two. A part in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical the eye. Love you can always tell when we have divided an episode in half, because I can't say my intro with good articulation. I just slur <laughs> You said it. we're The Love of Cinema, part two. So we're off to a good start here. Guys, this is the, the podcast where we try to keep it positive. We try to avoid lazy negativity. We want to talk about loving movies. So to keep us positive, we made a drinking game. So you're going to hear, if we say anything negative at all, you're going to hear this sound. That sound means that we're taking a drink and we hope you drink along with us. So pour yourselves a glass and I don't know why everyone else is talking at the fucking speed of light. I'm still the same. Uh, Cheers. I just tapped my mic. That's for you, Dave. Thanks. Mm. I did the same thing. Oh, bastards. Damn. Um, (laughs) Whoa. All right, people. That was a big one. We did this not need our... to take another shot because just nope. folks, just so you understand, yeah, wait, the we split the episode the in half. You, you started this. Oh, I know. We split the, split the episode in half. I drank way more than you guys last one. This is my. I'm, I'm in three now. Two shots, yeah, three beers. I got buzzed a lot at the beginning because I messed up my intro. So this is, if you listen, because I was a dick. The reductive commentary from my co-host. If you listen to our 200th episode, part one. You'll see that I need the, the drink because when it's like starting to hit me, I, I can't think straight. But once we get into this zone, God, you're um, way funnier when you're tipsy too. It's just, there's dude, just no come on, man. Like, alcohol, if, you, yeah, if, you, I mean, if you're struggling with John, alcohol, John abuse, drunk people, just please means I have more editing to do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, uh, we're going to continue <sighs> on later in the episode with our summer blockbuster face off where we take the highest yeah. grossing summer blockbuster of every tabs. year. We battle them up against each other. This week, we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, the highest grossing summer movie of 2014, against Jurassic World, the highest grossing summer movie of 2015. Only one mm-hmm. can advance. And guess what? We're almost caught up to present time. Yeah, so we have one more. We are going to have to go into our second round. So to keep up with what we've been wa- what we've been watching, well, to keep up with what we've been voting on and what has advanced to the second round, you can find us on the socials or just keep liking and subscribing and keep listening to the podcast. We're going to talk about Oppenheimer. <laughs> Because we talked about Barbie in the last episode, so Barb and Heimer. We started with Barb, Bob now we're going to Anheimer. So we're going to talk about that, I which can... I didn't see. We'll talk more about that in a second. But these two are going to talk Fuck about. It. I can't you, wait Jeff. to hear what you guys say. I'm waiting for. The... Fuck, man. We've... It's the fourth time I'm telling you why I haven't seen it, but this is the first for our listeners here. So anyway, that's what we're doing. That's the that's the gig. Also, we're and using. Then he doesn't um... tell them. <laughs> we're also using uh, domestic numbers. Um... <laughs> If you guys want to shout our sponsors out, we got to hear from one of them in our last episode. We're also we going to have did. some 200th congratulatory uh, voicemails from people. Which is some cool. people have been lovely and sent us messages. Yeah. We have some sponsors. Carlos Barozo makes the beer that we don't get to drink anymore. Carlos, fuck you. Slash, I love some. you. Send he me some beer, bro. He has yeah, some. Some. This, is, this is on us. So <laughs> We're, getting it. It. We're getting it. We've been stuck about it. picking it up. Give him a follow on Instagram. Cbarozo.beer. C-B-A-R-R-O-Z-O dot beer. He has a lot of really fun posts about making beer, beer enthusiasm. Uh, shout out to that guy. He's the absolute best. Dasein is the artist in residence who sponsors and makes all of our music that you hear on these episodes. Every single episode, they have a whole plethora, a whole canon, a whole wonderful world of music waiting for you on all the usual music platforms to download. Dasein, D-A-S-E-I-N. Enjoy yourself. Uh, right. Yeah, let's do it. Um, uh, as as so, Jeff said, we had we did have some people send us some lovely yeah, messages. Yeah, yeah, we had right some, out, some had loving guests. Um, We're gonna sprinkle them a little bit. Yeah, yeah. let's sprinkle. Let, let's go for maybe. Let's we'll do maybe two, and then uh, we'll wrap it up with the last one. 
How about those two cunts are the best from our sister podcast? You're, you're saving oh, them for last. I'm saving them for last. Okay. Our most loyal fans got to fucking Because I, I know they listened to the first episode on Monday waiting to hear themselves, and they didn't. So we fucking got them. We fucking got them. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Oh, that's so funny. And, yeah, we're going to play it right at the end of this episode. But, uh, oh, yeah, we, we got them. sent a, uh, a rather lovely message here. Aww. Hello, hello. This is Jeff Ronan of End Almost ah, Starring, wishing yeah. the love of Cinema Boys a happy 200th episode. Uh, so when I think of love of cinema, I think of a few things. I think of positivity. Yeah. I think of drinking, naturally. Uh, and I personally think of finally having had a reason, like you need a reason, to see and be shamed for not having ever seen before Dr. Strangelove, a truly excellent film. Uh, and more than that, I think of having my rose-colored glasses shattered by having to revisit Batman Forever, which yeah. <laughs> yes. might have been my favorite superhero movie as a dumb child. Uh, but now, <laughs> revisiting it on the show with you fine gents, I'm forced to admit is... Uh, <laughs> Not good, and some might say <laughs> terrible. And since I just oh. said something negative, I think that means I have to go drink now. So yes. congrats again, guys, and here's to 200 more. Jeff Ronan, oh, yes, yeah, dude, Jeff Ronan, <laughs> I love that guy. Couple that things poor about bastard that. with like the Batman Forever episode. Oh my god. Couple things about that. So we did Batman Forever as our third movie that we were talking about that night. So he comes on, and we are red hot. We have so much alcohol in our veins, and he is fresh. He comes in, he's like, hey, guys, and we're like, Brrrah. I didn't let him talk. I didn't let him talk for five minutes. I didn't let him talk at all. I wasn't so there for Dr. Strange. Did everyone. Touche. Fuck you. Oh, I lost myself for God, that. It's um, so but good. also, Amy Jo, Jeff Ronan's wife, who What's talked about In the Heights and Singing in the Rain with us, she is performing in Singing in the Rain Right now, she's literally performing oh, in the show also, in West Amy Vermont. Joe, you're West welcome. In Vermont. You're welcome for the inspiration. <laughs> yeah, because of us, but also no, I should kidding. point she out, she, she was oh, the first God. person to ever do hard liquor on this show. She oh, did. She true. sipped fucking yeah. whiskey straight, oh, if I remember. And then, and, then, and then I tried that about three weeks later, and you can listen and judge for yourself how that fucking went. Editing not so good on that one. Their yeah, podcast is so fun. <laughs> Their podcast is alternate cast. It is so things. funny. It's, on, it's yeah. on hold right now. It's on hold right now, but go through their feed and listen to them talk about alternate casting for some of your favorite movies. It's really yeah. fun. People who are actually considered for movies, it's really fun. And also, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, she um, has never seen the movie when they do Correct. it. Correct. She has yeah. usually not seen the movie, and um, Jeff gets to ask her, Jeff, her partner, co-host, yeah. who just spoke, gets no, to no. ask her. They've, it's okay if they've seen the movie. She just didn't look any of the casting up. So she's guessing okay. the casting. So, yeah, so it's kind of like charades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Really fun premise. I met Jeff Ronan. Uh, he is an actor and uh, was a playwright at one point. I don't know if he's still writing, and I, I acted in one of his plays in Jeff New York Ronan, City. Jeff Ronan, right, a long man. Time Never stopped writing. A long time ago, and Jeff... My co-host, Jeff Ostermuller, met Amy Joe in an acting class. Is that right? Acting class first, and then I saw, I saw a show. Yeah. So our tiny little world of theater, we just met each other organically. Both pairs, I didn't know they were together. I didn't know Amy. It's just, it's just great how that worked out. What a world. Their podcast is a blast, and I, we should go on it again. Do you hear us? Y'all should have us on again, and we should have you on again. They, they haven't had me on this but... yet, I don't think. It's on hold. Ha, but, you know, ha, 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 ha. Chappelle show? Oh, <laughs> 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 Let's talk about Oppenheimer. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Oppenheimer. 
So this movie came out this year. It's three hours long. Apparently, there's a lot of talking and a nuclear bomb at the end. And uh, no, I've been no, seeing dude, Killian... not at the end. Oh, you saw it? You saw it? Nope. And Killian Murphy. Why didn't you see it? Do you want me to do this again? Do you yes. want me to say this again? Wait, I'm wait, waiting wait, for Jeff, the big. You did not I'm waiting see it? for. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Why didn't you, you tell the story four times off air? <laughs> we talked about seeing it. You didn't see it. It's called Barbenheimer. You said you didn't want to do Barbenheimer. You literally did You didn't want to do it. You said everybody's going to do it. Everybody's going to be I talking about it. There's no I reason to listen over... to us talking about it. People know that we're doing the movie fucking summer face off shit, whatever it's called. They know they're doing this. They're expecting that. We're going to break you, it up into two you, parts. We, we scheduled the entire fucking thing to coincide with Barbenheimer for a two episodes. I bent over backwards to see both these then movies. Why didn't you fucking see it? I texted on like Tuesday. I was like, so I guess we're not fucking doing this, huh? All right, well, I'm going to make my plans accordingly because everything's And then I text up. back and say, I still need to get tickets. Welcome to my first Yeah, and then you years. said, I still need to get tickets. And I said, okay, well, John is not interested in John, so we're just going to watch is fucking still getting, he's getting Marvel tickets. movies. That's, that's this will be our last episode, folks. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, fuck you guys. I can't do 200 more of these. This is great. I can. <laughs> so Jeff is going to moderate a conversation between Dave and I, the, the two... Oh my God! Should we do? Really, was it really that bad? <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> no, it is I not really did. that bad. No, but no I know way. like one person. Yeah, no, I know, I know. We're positive. But you can ask us questions if you want. If we, if anything comes up, please ask us questions as a uh, wanting to know uh, outside viewer, since you haven't seen it or outside oh, listener. Oh, I'm gonna, by the I'm way, just, be, just before we IMAX just before we carry on, um, John, you got a you got a semi personal message, by the way. Oh, let's go. Your your brother in law kind of called you out a little. Oh, this is the uh, the great the the powerful. So Jeff Mr. asked Jack me Dorn. to do this thing for your 200 episodes. He sounds thrilled about it. Congratulations, <laughs> gentlemen! Thank None you. None of you are anywhere near busy in life. <laughs> um, what do I think when I think of the Love of Cinema podcast? I think of three morons getting drunk once a week for 200 <laughs> weeks straight that's what i think of so we're british um we're so british, John, exactly. as your brother-in-law i'm just gonna say this congrats on the 200 podcasts and maybe let's get him moving on the other side of it do you know what i mean yeah it actually makes some movies yeah have a good time. Yeah. You'd be called out. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, the uh, supporting star of Sisu, my brother-in-law, Jack Doolin, who just filmed. I'm going to brag on him for a second because this is going to be a... I can't fucking wait for this miniseries to come out starring Jack Doolin and uh, Eddie Redmayne. It's a remake of the 70s film, The Jackal. Oh, uh, fuck yeah. Spy intrigue. I'm excited. It's, I'm excited. They shot it in fucking Budapest. I'm sure it's set in other parts of Europe, but... God, can I, can I just also thing. point out, like, like when I like when I listened to that message earlier, because um, I'm the only one that's heard these. Uh, I, I um, with the accent, it was like, "Hey, John, how about you get the other stuff moving?" And my brain added, "Or I'll fucking glass ya." <laughs> oh, fucking glassy, <laughs> fucking <laughs> Oh yeah, you can just throw that as a end yeah. coda onto most also, things Jack and I say to each other when we've had a few. Well, two things: number one, Sisu is by far our most downloaded episode of this year. So thank yeah. you, Jack, for being on our, our episode. Um, even though you didn't use headphones when you talked to us, so it was really fun for us to edit. And then our also, fault, you cut him off. We should have told him. We should have told him. Yeah, yeah. Should have told him. Jack, you're the best. He's not listening to this. And then, um, <laughs> no, he's not. He's never going to listen. And to then, this. Um, when he says, I think about three 
morons getting drunk once a week. This is that's, that's like British culture to a T. Like a Brit saying this to us, I feel like that's fucking high praise. I feel like that's a dream come true. What are you gonna do when you're in high school? Hey, what are you gonna do when you grow up? It's like I just hope I get to get drunk with my mates every week. Like what a fucking high praise. Every yeah. week, Jeff, you're being kind. If ideally for most British men, I think it's every night. I think if we're gonna <laughs> be able to go to the pub and enjoy ourselves but most like, evenings of the like week, that a, is okay, an ideal go to the pub existence. for a pint. He sent that wall potty training. <laughs> just so like a pint. I think yeah, yeah. I think um having a family and once a week is is you know fair. It's fair. I'm so no no no. This is that I was fun. I haven't seen either of you in fucking ever <laughs> in person. I know I haven't hey. seen either of you guys in person for a long time. Either. John, I saw your beer. Thank I you. Your yeah, beer not not since Christmas we dropped in, in LA. I yeah, I got to see Dave in person. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to LA for Christmas. True. Are you going to be there? Are you going to be there? And we almost gave you COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not literally on Christmas. I, you know that is like the one time of year that we're gone. Film fans, we're just talking to each other at this point. Yeah, yeah, we um, fucked this episode. You guys want to talk about Oppenheimer? Uh, yeah, okay. I do. I you want to talk, about, want to talk about Oppenheimer? I don't think we need to set this up. You guys, you guys talk about it. I'm, I'm happy to. I'll just shoot some shit sometimes. Dave, dude, what'd you I was, think, I, was, dude? I was a little apprehensive going to see this because I know Nolan really goes to town, and I my formative teenage years were during like. The Are you nuclear... talking about Tenet? Are you no, referring I'm not talking to about Tenet? Tenet? Tenet. 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 It's a throwback to episodes 100 to 160. Yeah. No, no. It's it's just like I grew up during the the nuclear crisis in the 80s where it was like you wake up every morning as a teenager and you didn't need to be emo because they could push the button in any fucking day. Yeah, because Australia (laughs) was where they were headed for sure. No, dude. Dude, there's a... <laughs> you know what? Fuck you guys. <laughs> oh, fuck it, Melbourne, Australia. Go fuck Look yourselves. Damn, <laughs> talk about a movie and you're just you're just being a fuckwit and I, i'm sorry no wonder you almost get punched out in bars and i have to save you oh jesus God. christ uh, okay uh, uh, i'm sorry dave i'm sorry uh, oh, i'm gonna come so around your house good. and fucking glass you later uh, <laughs> that's fine what's that's the name fine. of that book series the end the la- that's not the last of us but it's about the the apocalypse and they're on an australian beach yes. it's like them ref- What's the yeah, name of the fucking book series? Um, uh, it's, Nick it's, Cage made a movie of it. <laughs> really? Point. I had to yeah, read anyway. that in like year seven English. Oh, it's so How famous. fucking depressing anyway. to have to read that in year seven English. Anyway, oh um, yeah, they're all sitting, basically sitting in Australia waiting for the radiation to come get them. Um, I see. Sure. Okay. So yeah, can't imagine why I had a problem with nuclear weapons as a kid. And uh, But I was like, I was very curious because oh, he's, he's like adamant about CG, like no CGI, minimal CGI. It's not no CGI. Um, well, actually, it is because they didn't use any computer-generated graphics. They just composited elements, which is right. not CGI. That's a different thing. So his his claim for no CGI can you, stands. Can you break that down just as quickly as efficiently so, as possible? So basically, for people who have no idea what you're talking they're about. They're not generate. They didn't. They never generated a fireball. Every fireball you see in this fucking thing is real, and yeah. they've just composited 
various elements that they shot on camera over each other to and it, this happens a lot through the film and it's a it's a wonderful compositing job they did could a fantastic you use, job of it could you could you interchange the word when, composite for like layers like they're, they're layering yeah, shots they're layering. on top of each yeah. other yeah, yeah yeah okay um but like cgi you would just generate the entire explosion and then use compositing techniques to insert that into the shot but the explosion wouldn't be on like wouldn't be filmed on camera it's it's entirely computer generated so that's the difference um and like he was adamant and i watched the credits and like dneg is in there and there's 27 visual effects artists on this thing you go and yeah. see a marvel film there's like three fucking screens and eight companies it's and most no, of 27 the people yeah. yeah so like it was it was very well yeah. done i, I feel and like they he had used... their notes two years in advance yeah <laughs> no they don't <laughs> they get their notes <laughs> the day before they have to render it but uh I it was I have a, a bit of a mixed thing about this one, uh, to be honest, because I, I, f- I feel like the first act was a bit of a mess. Mm. Um, after that, I'll take the drink. Yeah, take your fucking drink, bitch. <laughs> it's settled into two fucking it's, Aussie it's, fucking bitch. You safe Aussie Jesus. bitch. Okay, I'm just going to mute you guys. Yeah, no, and just keep talking. But... Okay. Um, it's after that it settled into the story, but like I feel like Nolan kind of relied on you knowing who these people were at mm-hmm. first because he's just introducing people. Like everyone knows Einstein, great. Einstein gets introduced, and you know who that is. But Wait, who? Okay. Yes. Jesus Christ. Okay. I saw the trailer. But but like the senator, I knew nothing about, and like that didn't become apparent until way into the film what was going on there, uh, and I guess that's by design. But like. Also, when he was introduced, I get I got the feeling I was supposed to know who he was. Um, but I feel like they kind of, in the introduction of some characters, they skipped over some bits. But when it settled into the method of getting it done and the effect of what happens of actually building this thing, and don't get me wrong, the bomb sequence was awesome, and I would love to talk about it. But I really wanted to fuck Jeff up when he goes and watches it. So I mean, I'll forget it. I'll forget it. It certainly fucked up my theater. Cause I, that was the biggest thing. I was like, okay, well, he's doing this practically. He can't set off a nuke. What's he going to do? And the way this thing is done is filmmaking at its best because they just wait and they hold you and you like, you know, what's coming but they just hold you and the tension is fucking palpable in my theater. And then all hell breaks loose and my whole theater jumped back a row. Like there was such great use of sound as well. I enjoyed this a lot, like much more than I would normally enjoy a a historical narrative. This is very, very, very well made. And I would not be surprised if you see uh, Oscar nominee in front of Robert Downey Jr. I keep I'm glad you his said name. this. I keep hearing his name with the. And, and, Dave, and I'm glad you said this because. And kill him. This is one of those films. Sorry, sorry. Did you? I did. Was I, did I think up? I just. Yeah, no. I think I just talked for the longest I've ever talked on this podcast. Dave, wow. shut the fuck up. <laughs> 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 fucking drink, um, dude. I'm so glad you said this because it it, it really sp- said something to me when I was reflecting on walking away from this. Which, by the way. I saw this very late at night. It's a three-hour movie. It doesn't feel like a three-hour movie. For, for me, it, it, it moves. Mm. 
Um, it it's does a long if you need movie. to pee, but I didn't. But someone else. Sure, did. sure, sure. I, I planned ahead for sure. Yeah. But it doesn't like linger or make you feel like what the fuck is happening. No, like, this it's movie, a fucking this ride. Movie cooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I walked out of this theater after two a.m. and on my ride home, I was thinking, you know, I I caught myself thinking about the filmmaking. And not just because I'm a filmmaker, I think we have all, anybody who's a film fan at all, has been nurtured by Chris Nolan's success as a filmmaker to think of Chris Nolan movies as Chris Nolan movies first. And you're thinking about why he's making it, how he's making it, what you, you know, you're thinking about him. But I think the absolute, there might be an argument, I'm not saying I feel this way, but I think one of the most successful aspects of this, and it reminded me of how I felt about Dunkirk, are the performances. It's mm. almost like the filmmaking happens in spite of the performances sometimes. Have you have He's you seen working... the have you seen the interviews they did with everyone? About, no, I haven't seen like, anything. Getting the call from Chris Nolan to come and work on his film. Like the Look up Florence Pugh's interview. She's like, he's like, oh, it's a really small role. She's like, I don't care. Yeah, whatever you want, man. Yeah, and and um, Matt Damon had a clause, like he was going to take a break from acting, and they like he was going to like couples therapy with his wife apparently, and that was the clause was, I will take a break from acting, unless Christopher Nolan calls. Oh shit, that's so funny. (laughs) And anyone who doesn't remember his really awesome turn in interstellar that wasn't marketed at all surprised yeah. us all as, as dr man on the planet um that they that eventually cool. went to really that great bastard. um so yeah there's a just in general i just want to point that out because what is it it'll make Matt sense Damon getting left on a planet that's well he's always he left cost everywhere. The Ameri- he's, yeah. he's cost the american government a lot of money <laughs> he's always left other places and he has to figure that's things the internet, out people you look it up there's a, there's, there's a dollar value of how much it's cost to, re- to rescue matt damon the board movies God, so are funny. a lot but, so but interstellar, interstellar and the martian are more for sure <laughs> so i just mentioned that everybody in this movie everybody and and one thing uh, that yep. never gets talked about in the interviews with chris nolan or about chris nolan are his directing style in terms of acting there are two uh, and i've said these kinds of platitudes before on this on this show i think i made the argument that the director's only real job is to make you feel something that is like an ultimate abstract accomplishment of the director physically literally in terms of the job like what's required of you on set and leading up to those moments you are the only person who is in charge of the entire story yes but you're literally your only job when you're on set that you actually get to do that nobody else gets to do other than you your dp is helping you your cinematographer director of photography is helping you frame and compose they're talking with you about how you're going to edit ahead of time and how you capture shots the only thing that you do that no one else does is work with actors you're in the only person in charge mm. of performance so does it help that you're you know hiring Academy Award-winning actors, every nominated actors, the best of the best. Yeah, sure. So casting is such a huge part about it. But there's no way he didn't have really wonderful conversations with everybody. And I don't know what he directs, how he directs on set. But I'm I'm not lying. Every single person in this movie is pitch perfect in yeah. every moment. All, all of the all of the uh, interviews have said he expects perfection on set. Bring your A game. And it's I just unbelievable. Wanted, just just a quick side note. Killing Murphy, dude. Holy fuck. I mean, he, dude, he was a due. He plus. was due. <laughs> Unreal how good he is. And now that it's, we've it's said like that, it's like you're I in the wanna... seventh inning and you bring out the wild thing. It's like. It's, un- it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, he's he's remarkable. Some people are going to get I, that reference. 
I want us to point this out first, because I think what most people are going to be thinking about when they watch Oppenheimer, and Jeff, I know you'll react to this, because this was the thing that is foremost on my mind. Is that a candle? I can't tell if this is leaking or not. You keep going, and I'll keep an eye on it. Is that a candle? No, it's it's a beer that was made out of, it's a beer mug that was made out of a baseball bat that I got as a gift, and I, it looks like it's, do you see that dripping? Fair warning, that should not be inserted anally. Your bat is leaking. Yeah, that looks like a flesh. Uh, <laughs> a fake. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking All right. about. Oh my god, it's still going. I just wiped it. It's yeah. This is this is. It was, a good, it was a good gesture. The gift was a really good gesture. Um. um what were you saying? You were gonna ask me a question. Uh. Yeah. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so it is messy. Um, okay. So basically, what I walked away with more than anything else, and and I, I, I god damn it. it if you're a film nerd, I think you're, you're going to really be able to get into this. So it's most obviously comparable to Dunkirk in what I'm about to talk about, right. which is his obsession and and his seems to be like the way that he works narratively. He works in montage. The entire film is montage. And it's unique in saying that because it made me look back on all of his other work and it made me think about the way he thinks about structure and how he works with things in a non-linear fashion often and how he moves <laughs> in and out of space and time like that's something this, that he yeah, works this, with I mean, all the time yeah I, I, I love Dunkirk by the way it's, it might be I my favorite too. Nolan movie it might be I, and I felt the I same way it. and I think I think you're going to respond to this one in a really good way too because Dunkirk's success with montage like shook me I had not oh, seen yeah. a war movie told with that kind of playfulness, with manipulation of space, time, characters, emotion, and what it does to you. Um, there, there is an argument to be made that he's gone a little too far with it in this one, just because it's it's kind of relentless from the jump. But when you back all the it, way up, the three-hour perspective- minute. It took me a minute to me figure out what was what. He was, like who he was really where. jumps around, and he yeah. really plays with it a lot. And the, the obvious like go-tos of like, what Oppenheimer is a younger person, the way he's envisioning this crazy, what will happen when fusion and fission actually exist and his visuals of those things. And they're beautiful, they're cinematic, but his reliance on it is apparent from the beginning. That said, what, what do I always say when we're talking about movies? The beginning teaches you how to watch something. The way he fucking spins that yarn using that montage language from beginning mm. to end, I by the ending moment, which is a powerful scene that gets planted early on in the movie. And you're and in classic Nolan fashion. You're like, what happened there? And he, he makes a character literally say, what happened to that beginning conversation between two people? The payoff, it was extremely rewarding. I don't know about you, Dave, but by the time he got to that last moment, I was like, fuck me, dude. He's, yeah. it's almost like prescient how, how, in, how he uses history I mean, to try I'm, to talk to us about our present and our future it's fucking genius i mean i'm, pr- I'm predicting this will get a lot of get out of here Jeff. go fucking fix your fucking yeah. there's, a, there's a crack in my bat. cup right here there's a crack oh, in my no. bat get some tape there's a snake um, in my boots let me just let uh, me just take no, this I'm, I'm shut up Jeff. i'm beer. predicting this will uh <laughs> this will get like acting norms like crazy um yeah. editing i would also think this how will, could it not yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did he just, write, J- just Dave, the do you Trinity think he wrote sequence. those? Do you think he yeah. wrote the different the moving back and forth with all of this montage? Yeah, I think he did. God, that's crazy. How long do you I, think I the think, screenplay was? 
<laughs> I mean, I, I'm willing to bet that the original cut of this was like four hours. Had to have been, right? Yeah. Or maybe he wrote it so tightly it was fucking three hours on the dot and that's what we got. Like, Unbelievable. This, this looks, this is a person absolutely 100% in control. Like, yeah. this, this could be a best director right now. I got, dude, they, they, and yeah. I think I've said this to you guys on this, but I know I've said it to you in person, but I think I've said it on this podcast. The fact that he didn't get for Dunkirk, I was like, shit, that may have been his chance. Like, this, this one no, wasn't. should be this considered, dude. This yeah. one should be considered. It is a, you were, I, I don't know. For me, I could just, I could just tell, like, I am in the hands. I, I will of a also say though, like, for anyone who, who has, hasn't seen it yet, if, when you go and see it, the second half of this movie is fucking terrifying. Like, it goes into a horror genre almost, and they start manipulating light and manipulating sound and because holy fuck the sound mix as well it's gonna it's gonna be up for that um oh, for sh- that for it, sure I've even yeah. the technical achievements are unbelievable but yeah, yes everything they do you're talking about within the trinity sequence not just the trinity sequence like in the interview when he starts seeing it's almost like the bomb went off outside yeah dude and very, it, it's yes. like every time he's yes. stressed he sees that because he was fucked up by it like the day yeah. of his speech at the end of the day to the yeah, trinity that's, that's crowd the horror film Alamos. thing yeah so what did, yeah all right so that was horrifying basically there's there is a that was the second this, jump scare in like 10 minutes in this film this film is is designed in a surprising way so again spoilers sorry jeff but spoilers okay. you know go see this but this film builds for the first half the midpoint is basically the bomb yeah, and it is incredibly fulfilling. It's I cathartic. Was, yeah. You know it's like, coming. Holy but fuck! Still they got to suspense. this already. It's yeah. it's unreal. And then the last half of this movie is, pardon the pun, the fallout, and yeah. it's 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 Oppenheimer's fallout. And I didn't know anything about his history after the bomb. So I'm sure people who are older than me, maybe my parents, certainly our grandparents' generation, if they're still with us, they know because they lived through it. And I think this was fairly public, the way he tried to hang on to his reputation, how Mm. he existed within the Atomic Energy Council Commission, excuse me. Um, And then the fallout after that, when we started going into latter halves of the Cold War, Dave's childhood, into the 70s and 80s when... People started thinking of this differently. The existence of the hydrogen bomb comes into this. The origin and the mm. fight between the atomic and the hydrogen. Um, so there's there's so many aspects of this that are more than just Los Alamos and the, the making of the atom bomb. And that is what is maybe the most refreshing part about this, is that it actually yeah. does become a historical it's biopic. Like, that's the thing, in though, the hands well, of Chris they, Nolan. They could have, they could have like, just done that yeah but another director would have just done that like for they, sure and they, they could, just they would have, have made the they could have made that the pin no but they could have made that the pinnacle of the film and they didn't the explosion they, yeah they sat it in the middle yeah. and they fucked with you yeah like they fucked with your expectations in the way that was delivered and that was perfect it is perfect like i i've seen that flash in my dreams so many times because of you know, the threat that was there. Dang. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The threat yeah. in Melbourne, Australia. It was real, wasn't it, brother? It they was, can hit us. <laughs> they, we, was... we had we had American nuclear sites down there. Sorry, I just you're not wrong. I'm kidding. I'm fucking. Uh, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like they, we were a target. That's right. There's a lot of people in South Carolina who really think ISIS is coming for them. So I totally understand. No, no, no. I mean, there's no, a lot of real. people in there's, yeah, a lot of people in 
like random states. I think the government's coming from them. So, like- so anyway, the the filmmaking is remarkable, and I think we all yeah. could expect that. I was surprised, as I always am, and I'm so it's it's so wonderful that the actors are so excited to be on set and bust their fucking ass to bring yeah. every moment to reality. Because I, I just want to make this clear. These actors, I don't think they know this, even though if you're if you're a fan of Chris Nolan's film, you might know this, but they're all working within montage. There are no really long, lengthy, let's settle down and breathe with these characters for seven or eight minutes in a long scene. It doesn't exist that way. They're working from moment to moment, yeah. and he's directing them in that way. The it's way he covers it, the way he films scenes, it. Yeah. Honestly, maximum five-minute scenes. I don't so tell you what, I did, it feels I did a little love, exhausting. Uh, the one thing I did love was the Einstein payoff. I'm I, glad we got that. Of course, and, and yeah. that's, that's, that's kind of what I was referring to earlier. Um, yeah. So I don't want to overshine Killian because no. he's pitch but perfect Emily, in but this. But Emily Blunt, holy fuck. Emily Blunt is always, I think she's yeah. a rock star. She's always a rock star in my book. What I want to celebrate the most, though, out of all the actors is you could not have planned this better. This is the perfect transition for Robert Downey Jr. away from superheroes and back into mature adult men in real life stories. Dude, when I I first saw him made up, he's perfect. I thought it was Alan Arkin. Sure. I mean, you name them, any of the greats. He, yeah. He's masterful. He doesn't lean on the RDJ charisma and charm. No. It's not about that. It's not about quirks. He's the fucking villain. It's not about... Yeah. It is... God damn it. He's so fucking good in it. I, yeah. I just can't... I've, I'm so excited to watch what he does next. Yep. Um, but if just in case we need to say it, everything you're looking for, listener, for, from a movie about a fucking nuclear bomb, you're going to get it. Yep. Like, you, the payoffs that you're paying money for are going to fucking... You're going to scream. You're going to jump. You're going to be blown away, literally, the sound, visually, the, and orally. The sound mix in this is amazing. This is well worth the price of an IMAX ticket. A hundred percent. Oh, my God. Also, I, literally heard- I, did, I did not know it was possible to do those close-ups because I've never, I don't, apparently I've never seen anyone use an IMAX camera correctly. The focus like, puller in this was working their ass off because right? there is so like, much coverage in this movie yeah. where there, there are a lot of classic But they're working like, on PTA. a fucking IMAX frame. I know, like, I know. Yeah. It was a giant frame. And just in case anyone doesn't know this, a lot of focus pullers don't work with a monitor. So these people are literally an yeah, assistant to the Dave. camera operator. Dave did. Yeah, Jeff didn't. Just to explain, there are they are people who have this thing that is connected to the camera. That's why they were and 13 based takes. on feeling and measurements, they are moving the focus adjustment on the camera as the camera moves to and from the subject. There are a lot of slow push-ins in this film that are yeah. divided out way they can be 40 an hour away from each other in terms and, of montage the Christo- way Christopher Nolan does not do pushes in post either that's in camera no 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 no, no. <laughs> this is all in camera yeah. post pushes um, in post he says I, and this is the last little anecdote that I'll say just cuz it I almost turned around and said something there were a lot of people who as we talked about in a previous episode when I was in Burbank and I was watching this fucking plethora of human beings who were there to see Barbie that day. There were a lot mm. of people to see Oppenheimer too, but most people were there to see Barbie. And there was a couple behind me who it sounded like film fans. They didn't sound like, you know, um, you know, every now and then people. They sounded like they knew who Chris Nolan was. And the boyfriend, I assume he was the boyfriend, it sounded like they were not on their first date. It sounded like they knew each other really well. And they were, and she says to her boyfriend, she was like, "All right, so be honest though. Which one would you have seen if I didn't, if I didn't ask to go see Barbie first? 
And he said, probably Oppenheimer. And she said to him, a film fan, it sounded like she was knowledgeable of movies. She said, I know, I can't wait to see it, but it's just so long. I just can't, I just would rather wait and see that at home on my TV by myself. Oh no, you, I can't see oh. long movies at home. I, I was so like, much better no. to see it. I was turned around, I was like, come on, come on. You're here <laughs> paying money to see a movie. Like Next, next so, thing you know, we're bailing John out. Of course he did not make a movie about a fucking <laughs> nuclear bomb for you to go home and watch on your own time so you could pause and walk away yeah. on your if, tiny if television sound system. If you've taken the time to shoot this on IMAX, not framed for IMAX on a regular camera, oh, if you've taken the time yeah. to shoot this in IMAX, go and see it on a fucking IMAX he, he screen. He shot this with IMAX. You know what yeah. I mean? like that's how like literally remember i told you guys that story about yeah. the headquarters guys and they were all like oh like half of our shit at any given moment making a movie half yeah. of our equipment Chris Nolan's is making rented a movie. out to guys, fucking making Chris a movie. Nolan. can you imagine everybody's we like guys, we making started, a movie. Yeah. the one thing i love that came out about this I, I was sending you guys updates uh all week was the guy who booked that fucking a15 seat and imax went and found him because someone was like what madman booked a single seat in the front row he's of a fucking imax yeah people followed him home and he's never going to be able to sit in that seat again. Um, no, they they fucking found him. They turned up and they gave him a, a commemorative plaque with like IMAX stuff all over it. I just want to point. And, this last thing I was since we're nerding out about IMAX, I just want to point this out for anybody who's a hardcore technophile. Um, the obvious giant set pieces, the beautiful shots of the desert, wide landscapes, obviously hmm. the giant fireball that you're going to get, you know, right into your fucking face. What amazed me the most was that IMAX is a, it's a very large sensor, folks. The sensor on mm. this camera is much bigger so they can print larger to large 70 millimeter film with a lot more information. That's just the gist of it. The everyday shots, Jeff, uh, Dave, that scene where Emily Blunt goes and finds him in the woods after, oh, some, after a tragedy yeah. happens, it's just an everyday shot in the woods in an early morning light and it is yeah. pristine. Just yeah. seeing them apply that camera to what are not just giant fireballs, but the entire movie of his everyday pedestrian life in and out of just life as a scientist, classrooms. I mean, as a cinematographer, like I almost, gorgeous. I'm, I'm shooting something in September. And I almost got my hands on an Ari, but I feel like if anyone turned up and offered me an IMAX camera, I'd just fucking die. I mean, <laughs> it just, it made me think like just the technical challenges that you have to, when you're shooting on IMAX and how, it just it just culminated for me. I was like, this man is so technically aware of everything he's doing that choosing to shoot with that camera in all of these scenarios and the work that goes into post-production on getting all the ADR and everything involved mm. and the the how how willing and happy the actors were to do all this work. It's a well, cinematic. Now, that dig- now they've got digital ones, it's not as much ADR. You can actually shoot you can actually record sound on set because they're the digital that, ones. Is that aren't- different? And that's a big leap from Dunkirk where they weren't able to do that. Yeah. Well, they had them on wow. a beach. So it's like, well, it's, you, can't, very you famously, can't record sound on the beach anyway. You can't, but very famously in that interior ship scene with all the young soldiers where they're uh-huh. getting shot through the hole, they couldn't use any of the recorded sound. Yeah. So that's why so much of it is quiet. It's mise-en-scene. They're all like trying to keep quiet and do everything with behavior. All the sound effects had to be put in though. Yeah. I was just I just can't say enough about this. It was uh, yeah. there, I'm not saying it's a perfect movie. There are there are issues that I think people have rightly with this film and yeah. the storytelling. But ultimately, it doesn't take away from what he's achieved. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. The build up was worth it. This is a magnificent large epic film from one of our most talented filmmakers now, not based on pre-existing IP. It's not from a franchise. It's not from a fucking toy company. I recommend just, you go see this. Just a book. Just a book. <laughs> 
just a book it is about a nonfiction book, person that you know anybody what? could have yeah, exactly. right i mean like there's yeah. there's probably right. tons of books on him I, I feel like we should uh we should wrap this up and move on to our, the thing we're supposed to be doing this summer guys i can't wait to see that movie in two weeks all right we are now gonna hear yeah, some docile music we got a couple more voicemails coming of course so stay tuned for those but we are going to continue on with our journey in our summer box office face off guardians of the galaxy against jurassic world one can advance the other can go fuck itself see you guys soon shit <laughs> i gotta pee again jesus, jesus. christ i, I broke Dude, the seal man. and we're back and we're back and we're back i just want to bring up as a tail end to our conversation i haven't heard anybody talk about this but it made me wonder chris nolan Chris Nolan left Warner Brothers with Tenet. Yeah, he had the been HBO with Max them because the Max thing. He had been yes, so he had been with them for years and years and years, folks. He they basically brought him on board from Insomniac, and he had been with them ever since, like a Clint Eastwood contract. Like you make movies here. He's on the history of the Warner Brothers documentary that I talked about. Yeah. It's it's all there. Make movies and they have to when, have an orangutan. And then when Discovery fucking bought the Warner Entertainment or whatever they call themselves now i can't remember okay it's um, warner brothers discovery thank you warner brothers discovery it's in the company. background of fucking the office in bobby yeah okay there you go yeah. <laughs> um so they very fam- if everybody remembers there were only a couple filmmakers mostly most famously chris nolan and denny villeneuve who were very upset that they announced as warner discovery that we're going to release all of our big cinematic pieces right onto the streaming service so you don't have to go to the theater because the pandemic and uh, and he got upset, so he moved with Tenet. <laughs> I, yeah, I believe I believe Christopher Nolan said, "Here's my middle finger. You can yeah. go fuck it." <laughs> so anyway, Universal was the studio behind Oppenheimer, and it just made me wonder: Do you think Warner Brothers, as a very very personal fuck you, scheduled Barbie to come out the same weekend as Oppenheimer? I don't. Um, mainly because Warner Brothers recently has expressed a desire and the intention to get Christopher Nolan back. Okay, probably a good idea. But do you think that they also wanted to say... It's the first not-bonehead decision they've made in years. Because it just seems too coincidental that they released their biggest movie of the summer on the same weekend that Chris Nolan releases his... So Mission Impossible came out last week. What's coming out next week? Yeah. Nothing. Oppenheimer's getting so. two weeks in IMAX. <clears throat> anyway, I just wanted to point that out. Let's, let's move on. But I just, that, that, I, it made me wonder when I walked out of the theater. All mm. right, okay. people, we are ready to talk about the movie that said, Chris Pratt, we love you. We love you lighter. We love you fitter, but we love you so much. Here we go. We're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy first, which will soon <clears> take on yes. Jurassic World later in the segment. But highest Before movie we t- do... Oh, we got another. I feel like we need to finally hear from our brother podcast, the Matt and Mark Movie Show. Oh, this is the time. All right, let's do it for our for our two hundredth episode. Crocs on the track. Wish just well. (laughs) They're probably wearing. Mark, guess what's happening this week? You will never guess. You will never guess, Mark. It's nothing to do with uh, the Ocean Gate submersible. Damn. It is nothing to do with Barbenheimer. There is another internet phenomenon that is happening right now, Mark. It is the 200th fucking episode. The 200th episode. That's a number two. 200th episode 
of the Love of Cinema podcast. Give it up Shit. for our brothers over at the Love of Cinema podcast. And you know, I'm going to pause at this point because I, I want to point out that we asked for a 30 second voiceover if they wanted to send us something nice. What are we at so far? 36 seconds in. <laughs> <laughs> Grab yourselves in, guys. This goes on for a while. We're not making oh, this it. message just congratulatory. It's also a contemplative message, Mark, because I wanted to ask you, what do you think when you think love of cinema? Dig deep. What, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say, Mark, what do you think of the love of cinema? You know what? I'm going to go sappy. And because oh, wow. I met John in person a long time ago and then through this show was able to meet um dave and jeff so i'm gonna never, say never when idols. i think of them i think of friends and i think they're an uh, awesome uh. group of guys i love hearing their podcasts they're very intelligent and uh i aspire to be like them sometimes because i'm a fucking idiot <laughs> wow i do also aspire to be like that that's very sweet mark when i think of love of cinema this is what i think of I think of the goddamn buzzer from their show and how I wish I could buzz them every week because we love them, but they're wrong a lot. They recently took Ghostbusters and both Shrek movies out of their summer movie bracket to piss everyone off, but I still love them. They are still the fucking bomb. Okay. Yes. I'm using nineties terminology. Love of cinema is the bomb.com. We love you boys. Congratulations. Justice for Shrek. And I, I hope we can all reunite one day to have plenty of drinks, booze it up, and celebrate your 200th. Now, go on, go ahead and review Shrek 3 so you guys can crap all over it. And I can go like this. Matt, when you finally meet them, and you should, you have to wear a Shrek shirt. I'm not only going to wear a Shrek shirt. I'm going to wear a Shrek. I'm going to wear a Shrek G, a Shrek G string. Okay. And I'm going to fully like have tear away clothing. I'm going to tear it away. And I'm just going to run. I'm going to go streaking. Please tell me with this a Shrek is the G lobby. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. Happy 200th guys. <laughs> oh, oh take a bow. God, you fucking no, asshole. Oh, that's so no, I just want to say, I just have to say, not the weirdest fucking thing they sent us. Oh no, there's another one. Not the weirdest. Like, I'm I'm not even going to try and describe this, but <laughs> this might have just been for me, and I thought I it was love thing, a fucking cinema. Oh, I just want to wish you happy 200 fucking episodes. I feel attacked. Uh, I also want to say, we're all think of you. All think of a bunch of goddamn drugs, and I don't know why I'm turning into a goddamn fucking stupid hick. Jesus Christ, I gotta get my truck lifted. And then on my goddamn radio, I'ma listen to the fucking love cinemas. <laughs> what are they talking yeah, about? Right. I didn't do that too. I d- my name's <laughs> This Bubba, turned up. I had a drive my truck and taking a big truck shit in the truck stop. Is this? But after I'm done not wiping my ass, I'm gonna listen to the love of cinemas. <laughs> Jeff's gone. What is Oh my god. Matt and Mark take a fucking bow. Did they? Jesus Christ. I think we just got them some listeners from the the other side of the tracks on movie commentary. We just lost some listeners who walked right on over to them. People just stop that episode.
They're God, trending, that in, is so they're funny. trending in Saudi Arabia. Just, just in case so. anyone's Can thinking about why? switching over, that's what they're like all the time. In, a, in the best way possible. Just that non-fucking so stop. And it, I love I love that we told him 30 seconds and it went for two fucking minutes. Cause Twice! Like, <laughs> just like famous comedian Billy Connolly, they, they lose their track and they go off on fucking tangents and sometimes they come back and sometimes they don't. I've done it on this show. We all do it. It's It's contagious. But yeah, I've never love those guys. Thanks, Matt and Mark. Okay, can we got. Can we please talk that. about these movies? Can we get? This? <laughs> can we, what can we talk about after that? I'm in a full sweat. Um, guys, full sweat. We're in the year 2000. <laughs> what, Thank you for dude? segue he's, into he's, 2014. Cheers, you guys. Is you know voice ever got you hot? What? 200, 200. <laughs> Matt and Mark, they gave it up for us. Yep. Mm. Okay. The other internet phenomenon. You fucking right. All right. Cheers, motherfuckers. 2014. John, what movies made some money at the domestic box office in 2014? Are you going to hear a lot of fucking movies with familiar names to what we've been talking about? We are healthily, definitely into this superhero franchise world, especially Marvel. So, number two. That's the end of them being good. The next fucking Hunger Games movie comes out again in the fall, just like the other ones. This is Mockingjay, I guess, part one. Dude, um, I still can't believe part two went where it did. Sure. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, these are super successful and it's still there. So that's number two behind Guardians of the Galaxy. Number three, and this was a surprise to me looking back, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. This is the second Captain America movie. Um, and what a lot of people argue as one of the better, if not best, standalone movies. Um, so non-Avenger movies in the Marvel one through phase one through four phases one through four. So funny story. I went and saw this just after I'd been given the talk by a girl I was seeing about how it just wasn't really going to work out. And, uh, I hated this movie when I first fucking watched it. I had to rewatch it oh, wow. later. Yeah. Cause I was I remember such a fucking her, bad movie. Yeah. Yeah. Now we all remember. Good, uh, I talked about getting out of I that don't. motherfucker. <laughs> Jesus <I don't>. Christ. <laughs> I bet you right out. Uh, it was a mistake. Some people yeah. should not be near each other. Yeah. We you made that. it though. You you lived. You you, <laughs> yes. you got rid of it. Um number four, <laughs> the Lego movie. Holy shit. Everything is, is awesome. Who makes fucking Legos? Hasbro? Mattel? Who fucking Legos? Legos? Lego. Do they just Are make them their own thing? Yeah. All right, so the first of the toy movies, I guess, really breaking in there. There have been a few G.I. Joes before that, but this Lego movie fucking broke through. Number yeah. four for that year. There's now uh, Lego Star yeah. Wars, Lego fucking everything. Like, they created their own, crazy. like, universe. Number five, Transformers, Age of Extinction. Uh, don't remember Don't remember this one, boys. Yeah. Uh, number six. <laughs> <laughs> this That may have been the one where I was like, I don't know what's happening on screen right now. Yeah. There, was, there were so many fights <laughs> happening all over the world, and I just didn't literally didn't know what was happening. Um, that was the one where they phased out Megan Fox, I think. Goodbye, Megan Fox. Sorry. You, maybe she it's had, best for you to address that. She had Ninja Turtles. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, number six, Maleficent. So never kind saw of it. Disney beginning to like make it their reenact it. reimaginings of their live action versions of their famous uh, oh, animated this is features. What started it? Oh, no, I don't think it was the first, but I think it was one of the first. Number seven, X X Men: Days of Future Past. Um, anyone who's a big fan of those, That's that one. one did pretty well. Yeah, um, yeah that was eight? that was after the first class thing. That was the second one, I think, in the new cast. 
but they bought mm-hmm. him Wolverine. Yeah, they did. After it was yeah. like, go fuck yourself at the bar. Yeah. That was really fun. Best uh, cameo ever. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. Number eight, The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies. If you're going to watch a Hobbit movie and you don't want to watch the other two, this one is is pretty good. It's got a giant battle at the end of it. It's 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 worth watching. I enjoyed that one a lot. I have the Number extended six. edition of that too. Never seen it. So I think you have them all. I'm just going to assume <laughs> since you bought them. I buzz myself. Shit. <laughs> you have to drink. I said number six when I met number nine. I said number six because number nine is Big Hero Six. Fucking Pixar, dude. They just never do saw not it. Lit up, dude. They are ready to rock. I've never seen it either, and I heard it was actually really entertaining. I Oscar for best should, animated film. Yeah, I probably should watch that. And number uh, and number ten, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Mr. Matt Reeves. Okay, that Matt I've Reeves? seen. It's Matt Reeves, right? Who made the Batman? Was it? Yeah, he made Batman, yeah. Yeah, he definitely yeah, yeah. did. So yeah. this was his first, after Cloverfield, this was his first nice. gigantic movie that led him through this trilogy. And he nailed they, it. That was a great first, ep- like, well. Wait, I might like, be lying to you. Did he only make the sequels? So other movies that made a lot of money internationally. <laughs> I mean, what's funny yeah, is this Jeff, is why, recently I talked about America was Filing making up half the budget, but this is really no, like where moves. international stuff is blowing up. So like Transformers, for instance, is the number one movie made a billion dollars. Um, three quarters of its movies of its money was made overseas because you don't need to understand <laughs> yes. English to, to not know what that movie's about. Um, Hobbit, same thing. Like three quarters it of its money was made overseas. So that's happening. But you also have like the Godzilla remake with Brian Cranston, which was oh, giant. Yes. Oh, yeah. We had a funny. Oh, my God. Jeff and I ate, did we eat edibles before we, we went to that? It was did we strong, just whatever it was. And uh, that Godzilla, every time it went, it, they did a reveal every time you saw we were, it. We were it that like, motherfucker in A15. We were way too close yeah, to the front we of like a Dolby close. cinema. We were just like, Godzilla oh. was so big. It was so big. So um, many tilt. Go and see a chiropractor after a movie. Oh you sat in the wrong fucking seat. Oh my God. It, like, it, did a, it, did a, it did like a roll up of the spine every time you saw it. Like you never saw its eyes until it like rolled up. It was weird. Interstellar oh, like made Ghost a lot Rider of money this too. Year. <laughs> Where they introduced um, Ghost Rider like you've never fucking seen him before. Like, Lucy made a lot of money. Gone about Girl. Fucking Ghost Rider on this podcast. Gone it's Girl made Cage three films. Edge of Tomorrow made a lot of money. Noah made Edge of Tomorrow, definitely too much fun. money. 22 Jump Edge Street. Edge of Tomorrow is awesome. Made... I'm so sorry, did is, you say Noah? Is... Yeah, that's right. Buzz it. Yeah, fucking buzz Should it. Should we refer yeah. people yeah. to yeah. our Judge. hilarious drunken probably... It is one of our most downloaded episodes, funnily enough. Wait, God, I that's talk funny. About... Hold on. I want to talk about these movies. So you have The Maze Runner and Divergent, both Maze... of which made like around $300 million. Which Maze is Runner is worldwide. better than Divergent. Sure. Just saying. Um, 22 Jump Street made $331 million worldwide. Shouldn't the Fault in Our terrible. Stars. The Fault in Our Stars made $300 million. And, and Neighbors made $270. So all of these movies are going straight to streaming right now. The but Fault in the past, they stars. were making $300 million, right? This is the first That's time since crazy. 1997 that no animated movies were in the top 10 because Big Hero 6 was not in the top 10 internationally. It came in at number 11. And this is the year of the Sony hack and the interview was supposed oh. to come out around Christmas. That was this year. Uh, this is the year we of the Oscars. That, didn't we? That like was our 420 three, movie. At least three quarters no, well, of it. We watched like it was, three quarters it was of it. Blizzard. Got, it was our t- Blizzard movie. No, well, well, that was one of them. Interstellar was the other one. I remember that vividly. Yes, I remember those as well. Ah, LSD. <laughs> we did not, I did not have LSD. Okay, Birdman won three Oscars. Inuritsu, they won four, but Inuritsu won know, three. Uh, okay, okay, confession time. I've never seen the end of Birdman. The end. Dave, I own it. Dave. You're in the middle I've of it. I've never seen the end of it. What is up with you having these movies if you're not going to finish them? So Inuritsu actually won three. Won picture, director, me. and screenplay. Okay. 
Uh, Boyhood was this year. The Grand Budapest Hotel won a million Oscars. American mm. Sniper was this year. Imitation Game, Dude, Selma. I, I had a conversation in West Palm Beach at a film festival with one the kid from Boyhood. Oh, I had yeah, no, I had no cool. idea who he was. I was just shooting the shit. And someone's like, you know who that was, right? And I'm like, oh, fuck. I, I said some things. Oh, he's a nice <laughs> kid. Okay. Eddie Redmayne. Dave, you know be- what else? Sorry, finish, finish your... Guys, can finish. I get through this fucking thing? Every yeah, single week yeah. you say I take For too long with this. God. And then, yeah, God, no, I, have yeah. I gotta Fuck work you. in the morning, and you guys, you motherfuckers, there's part two here. Eddie Redmayne beat off Michael Keaton for the most awards. Beat of the him night. off? Or Could the, you have the... said that differently? They had a beach off. Julie, they beached off, yeah. Um, Julianne Moore. Barbie reference. But Julianne Moore wins for, um, is it still Alice? Is that what that's called? She does a clean yeah. sweep. Note, Alec Baldwin played the husband of two best actresses in a row. Because he was- Back to back. Kate okay. Blanchett's wife in Blue Jasmine and Julianne Moore's husband- it was, you know yeah. what I mean? And didn't get it's up on a Alice. single charge, just like Rust. Okay. Yeah, that's, oh my God. that's a good character. I'm fucking pissed about that. It's pretty good. Oh, some dark humor. But did you want him to get charged or not? I mean, he had, he had nothing he to do with He ignored the rules. I saw her. He I saw her the rules. He's, he, he has nothing to do with At the, the uh, he's, a, he's a producer. No, yeah, but he's no, actor. When, I'm sorry. When you, bring, when you bring a gun on set, you hand it to the actor and you both inspect the chamber. It's the okay. rules. Okay. They didn't do it. Nobody did it. Somehow he's okay. This is definitely gonna get fucking put that out there. (laughs) That is good to know, actually, because you're right. That doesn't get talked about very often. Yeah. Um, J.K. Simmons is a clean clean sweep for Whiplash, even though Ethan Hawke in Boyhood and Ed Norton Birdman were awesome. That was a really good category. She's Dave. Are you gonna comment on every fucking category? You're reading them. This is usually what we do. Jesus Christ. You insist on going through these, and you want me to just sit there and listen? Anything else you want to say? Shut the fuck up, Dave. J.K. Simmons is. A, I already read this one. Patricia Arquette does a clean sweep for Boyhood. <laughs> Imitation Game won adapted screenplay. Graham Moore. Big Hero Six. We already talked about. Fucking Grand Budapest. Talked about. Whiplash is great this year. I actually believe it or not was at. I sat Damien Chazelle in his booth and Emma Stone walked in. That's right. After fucking Whiplash, I witnessed Emma Stone's meeting essentially with Damien Chazelle for La La Land. I fucking witnessed it, people. I sat them. They know me. Interstellar won Best Visual Effects, Whiplash won Film Editing, Snowpiercer, Get On Up, Skeleton Twins, Fury, Inherent Vice, Wild, John Wick, the original John Wick. Those are the movies I want to shout out. Anything else you want to talk about, guys? No, I'm not allowed to talk, apparently. Anything else? (laughs) My two favorite movies of the year, for sure, are Her, Spike Jonze's Her. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. That's in here somewhere. That was a good one. And and Dallas Buyers Club, which I think you did mention. Dallas Buyers Club was Mm. definitely last year because I talked about Jared Leto and fucking Matthew McConaughey winning right, Oscars. Let's get into these movies. Shit, was it really? My bad. Um, so, what do you yeah. guys think of Guardians of the Galaxy? Well, I'm going to go out on a limb before he starts talking about it because I'm going to pimp you into it, Dave. <laughs> Dave, I would bet money that this is your favorite of the first uh, generation, phases one through four, of Marvel movies, am I wait, right? Well, wait, wait, wait. Do I want to bet on this? Do I want to bet against it? Um, okay. Oh, oh, he really liked the first Iron Man. Safely uh, top three, but I think it's your no, number it, one. No, I think it's I think it's Guardian, which is funny because you just said he hated it. Uh, I'll take your bet, John. I'll take your bet, and I'll say uh, uh, Iron Man one is Dave's favorite. What What are you betting? Okay. Um, dignity, dignity. <laughs> we'll take a shot. I have my tequila right here. Fuck, I gotta teach. I gotta teach kids in the morning. Okay, Dave, what is it? <laughs> 
It's Guardians. Fuck you, yeah. damn it. <laughs> you little bitch. Trick, 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 trick. I we need that DJ horn. Oh, yeah, baby. Yeah. I knew it. Yeah. No, this this was this came out of nowhere, man. It was like they when they released the fucking hooked on a feeling trailer, I was hooked from sure, the get go. Yeah. And it was something I'd never seen before. James Gunn came in and introduced characters that had never been introduced before. They went full ga- galaxy cosmic. Cheers. And, I'll do it with you. Yeah. And this this was a shit. I, like I went and saw this <laughs> and I wasn't even in the best mood. And I still walked out loving this fucking film. I've watched it walked so out many you times. Had a fucking, you had a fucking wire hanger in your mouth when that, boom, when the intro, when the Guardians of the Galaxy pops up and he's dancing at the bottom on the pl- yeah. Like, come on. Everybody is fucking smiling their ass off when yeah. that fucking crawl in the title sequence is fucking bottom to top. Guardians of the Galaxy with hey, hey. I mean, yeah. like, it's not fair. It's, it's almost not it's fair. Absolutely How not good fair. that soundtrack like, Where is. does he get off picking such a fucking good soundtrack? Like, yeah, but no, this was this was James Gunn finding his... Like, I was a fan of Gunn before. Um, Slither is a fucking because amazing of film. Slither because of trauma, because of those um, earlier things. Shout out so much, to our episode not, on um, yeah. Jeff, help me out. The Avenger, Toxic Avenger, Toxic we Avenger. Did an episode on that, right? Well, we, yeah. yeah, we no, did it. Wasn't, it wasn't because of that. It wasn't. We did it on this that. podcast, and we had Matt. That was where we met Matt for the first time. Yeah, listen to that episode. That was where I fucked Matt up. It was bad. We talked about American Graffiti <laughs> and Toxic Avenger. You know, and like everybody that was, does. That was when we were doing the. Uh, <laughs> that was when we were doing the positive negative thing, and I rolled that negative. Was a, that was so the best I, we've ever had, done it. I, think. I had a bitch out of movie I liked. So you knew. You you knew of James Gunn pretty consciously coming into this. Yeah, because Slither is fucking amazing. I'm not a fan of Super 8, um, but like Slither, Super Slither is like a... Not Super what did he 8, do sorry, on Super fucking, 8? I'm sorry. Not Super 8. Um, not Super 8, because JJ Super. did that. Uh, Super. I think it's just called Super. Uh, it's a, a superhero film he did beforehand. I love and, Facebook. Oh, cool. Yeah. So talk to me about your perception on like... Because again, I'm always interested in talking to people who are hardcore Marvel fans about Guardians. Because Dave, I had no idea they existed. Yeah, like, right. I, I had heard Nobody of did. the other characters. They always so famously say they're they're so proud of the fact that like Iron Man, like nobody really cared about him. Thor, no. But I knew who those characters were. I just yeah. didn't know anything nobody, about them. Like I, I, I did not know the Guardians existed. We'll see. My whole career up in that point was entirely dc so i had no idea about guardians either and then this trailer came out and i'm like this is a fucking awesome song the trailer's great i i'm excited about this like this it got me excited it was the best yeah. fucking trailer edit i'd seen in years and so when it came time to go and see the movie i was in and, and again just to, to yeah. remember just to remind people a more dramatic marvel movie captain america the winter soldier came out in april on april 4th first week of uh-huh. april this movie guardians of the galaxy comes out first week of august so the memorial day memorial day, yeah, yeah, day. Yeah. memorial day uh weekend um the first week of august is not is nothing 
I walked You're out right, of that September, floating on air. September. The first week of August is literally nothing. It's yeah. kind of next week, even though next week is still July. It's like, it's nothing. <laughs> it's nothing. Everybody goes on holiday. Wait, this was their Just B team, though. Marvel admitted they, they literally yeah. had a backup plan in case this didn't work. So they literally put this later in the season. Yeah. This is 2000. They had no, no idea other... this was, this was going to be what it was. And... 2014. I feel, like, I feel like another. You said Winter Soldier. So there was like, that was like their A team I mean, movie of this year. You got fucking. Yeah. Vin Diesel to just say I am Groot. He's the second bill times. on IMDb. Now IMDb yeah. is not everything. It's but... fucking crazy. He probably got paid his entire fucking quote. For this and movie. Bradley Cooper probably spent a week. I don't know, but he, you know. Yeah. I mean, Bradley Cooper nailed it as well. Agreed. Was this the first time that we saw? Because Chris Pratt has a small role in her. One of my favorite films. From he's this in Moneyball. Well. He's in Moneyball. He's in other things, but th- I don't as a remember lead, him in her at all. It, this and Jurassic World coming out in back to back years was just like what the fuck. And he's in the Lego Movie, which also I think. Well, Guardians year, so like uh, has, okay. like Guardians like pushed him through the fucking roof. This was his first like leading man. So role, he though, talked right? about this. Apparently, they like I, the number. I hate the numbers game with, when they're like they interviewed seven thousand. Like they weren't going to interview nobodies. So, but they like seriously considered apparently like thirty people for this role and that's again this isn't like this isn't like somebody who's a waiter this is like people who are in shows people who are in movies they, they probably interviewed you know people who are now huge stars and this fucking guy from parks and rec and yes i made the joke earlier on but they did say like look you need we feel like you could actually like be a football player you could be the baseball player for Moneyball without the beer gut like we are going to want you to be a superhero but he was so funny and charming from especially from parks and rec more than anything else and he was with caa Andy. God, and they were good. and they were just like fuck it you're the guy we just we just we got to do a little bit of work we got to do a little bit of work on you but yeah. you're you're the guy you could be a movie star dude you could do this and so they like took a shot they took a shot anyone who's a parks and rec fan for the season after this because he got into amazing amazing shape uh, physically yeah. for this movie and in the following <laughs> season of parks and rec they just solve it very quickly in like one line i can't remember who's talking to him but they're like I think it's Aziz. And he's like, what'd you do to He's like, I just stopped drinking beer. And you're like, really? He's like, yeah, that's literally all I did. I think there's something <laughs> in that for all of us. You know what else, you know what else he did that nobody saw, but I saw this. He, he has a very small role in Jennifer's body, but he's he is a really big role in the five-year engagement. So the five-year engagement oh. is is um, Jason... Dathan? Siegel. Siegel. Jason, get the fuck Siegel. out of here. J- all, the, all the white guy Jasons. Jason Siegel and Emily Blunt are the leads. And then Emily Blunt's best friend is Allison Brie. And Chris Platt, Pratt plays her like goofy sidekick husband, who's also like the sous chef of Jason Siegel. So he has this really mm. fun. So anyway, he's been in these movies, but it's always been in this kind of comedic role. So like, can he be a comedic leading man? Anyway, we don't need to keep talking about this all day, but like, it seems yeah. so obvious now, but it really was like a huge shot. But it that. wasn't, it wasn't just shot. him though. It was like, correct. correct. Yeah, you've got Drax, you've got Gamora, you've like all of these people who should never ever get along. They and Zoe hate Saldana each other. Shouldn't said yes. This is like, after Avatar. They shouldn't point, have said like, "Why are you going to paint me again?" You know what I mean? Like at one point, Drax refers to Gamora as this green whore, yeah. and she's like, "Oh, you must stop!" Like seriously, it's like a group of people who should not be on the same spaceship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in, and in, just to back up, as somebody who doesn't know anything about this. I was skeptical about it. And I think since then, they've leaned too much on the chemistry of them to carry some of their narratives. But this first time around, these vagabond, you know, good for nothing, getting together, they had a really specific assignment, I think, that they probably gave themselves 
we need to have as much fun as we can. We need to have them define as much antagonizing, which the antagonizing between them will be Dude. the glue that pulls them together. Who saves but, a fucking planet through a dance-off? Honestly. Which I mean, is, you know, super yeah. silly. But yeah. for me, and I think for a lot of people who weren't hardcore Marvelites, they were, you know, allowing themselves to start investing emotionally into this giant world and universe of characters if that ending had not been pulled off as successfully where they transcended the humor yeah and they transcended that that bantery antagonistic narrative yeah. drive and became something more that you needed all of that, them that was the became... point where I, I wished he'd dropped the f-bomb but they waited till part three to drop the f-bomb they the could first, have dropped the it first, the first f-bomb in marble part Just three in the fucking yeah. door it's so they yeah. could have done it for sure <laughs> the best gag yes, ever i forgot he, he also was did. in zero dark 30 he was one of the seal team members so he had bullets yeah, he wasn't as skinny yeah, yeah, yeah. but that, that probably helped him be like oh he can actually like be a, a fucking there's like, some yeah. badassery though it really worked i'll tell you guys this uh i'm at film school here in la i've never mentioned that before on this podcast and um there's a <laughs> sure <laughs> last year in one of our um it was like a big giant like all 60 people at once in a theater talking about a feature screenplay structure. And this was his example for the big commercial superhero movies. Like, of course, you kind of can't escape them right now. So I got to watch this one on the big screen and we kind of dissected it mm. and how well it, you know, why it's so successful and why it is a standout uh, in this superhero world that we live in right now, where there, you know, every fucking movie has these, these, these plot points and why this one seemed to find a way to have fun with them and also deliver them. Like there's there, it seemed to find this balance of we're gonna give you the arcs that you're used to, but we're gonna have a little bit more tongue in cheek and yet you're still gonna feel emotionally activated. You're gonna scoot forward on your seat when they all fucking hold hands at the end yeah. of this thing and their eyes glow and they defeat somebody by coming together with an emotional yeah. purpose. But it, it's, like it off. it's like five people have been put together to do an assignment and no one is doing the same assignment until the end <laughs> it's so it good silly. and, and yeah. honestly they ease everybody's backstory in really well like obviously yeah. star lord's the lead and he gets that little superhero type open you get like five origin stories in this movie even rocket i mean that really yeah. should be cheesy when rocket's like kind of crying with a gun and he starts he basically says like you i was experimented on when i was you know what i mean whatever yeah, no, he says I've been that like, guy. Oh, don't worry shit. they save that cheese for the third one for sure no, i know but, but yeah. the fact that we, you... we, well the, the, what i'm saying is and, and of course i'm not trying to knock the third one which is when i, I rewatched we didn't even do the rewatch thing but like, when we rewatched it but i rewatched it after i saw the third one because the third one i was like I, I wanted more even though i like these characters so i went back yeah. and watched the first one again um and the way Rocket, I don't need his, I don't need his backs, and that was great. I'm, I'm not saying it wasn't yeah. well done, but but literally just that one sequence where he's like with the gun and in, in the middle of yeah, the it's like crowd okay, this and, raccoon has issues, and I got it, you know. And that's <laughs> yeah. Dave. It almost enough. feels like doesn't this feel like it's almost like there's another like world of Star Trek where you just meet random people who come together and solve yeah, right. a problem, and like this kind of feels like like that well, a little bit. Thing, it almost the, like the stands also... apart. Like the Guardians turned up in some of the Marvel stuff to contribute, obviously in Endgame and all that sort of shit. But every time there was a Guardians film, it was standalone. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it always was never influenced by anything else that was going yeah. on in the universe. But then well, they, asked not, Earth, they asked them to come into Thor Love and Thunder, yeah. and then they decided not to have Thor or the girl or they whatever. They skipped that whole thing, yeah. Come into Guardians 3 because yeah. they are like, Well, yeah. no, because nobody liked it. 
they're not they're not they're not earthbound which i think lends itself to what you're talking about but yeah also we but, um, every said time before, it was a standalone story it was we like said this before james this gunn is, made his own universe there this is the best trailer of all the marvel movies and this yeah. is one of the better trailers of the past 20 years as far as just being like what is this about and also i love the story that um hooked on a feeling which was the uga chaka from the trailer mm. with the with the fucking cassette player floating yeah. um was meant to be the opening of the film but they decided to use come and get your love instead um and so they're like well fuck this is such a good song for our movie so they use it in the trailer and they did use it elsewhere too but i'm i'm mad at this Dude, movie every because- year james gunn on on uh, i think spotify releases a playlist yeah, well, and this so, was number one. This, yeah, this went for number like one. It's like shit that's influenced these films. Even this though there's year. no original songs in yeah. this year, but I'm mad because I love the song. And actually, John did introduce me to it, which is "Fooled Around and Fell in Love" from Boogie Nights, yeah. which is a very famous scene. It's the it's the ass in the cock scene Damn. in Boogie Nights. <laughs> Don't laugh, you know it. My wife is an ass in her cock. <laughs> I mean, it's so good. They did the whole one and they're like, you said the line wrong. And they're like, I don't know. I think he said it just right. I don't care um, if you can really drink. But instead, I, <laughs> I can't. It's this fucking, it's, this movie stole that song back and I'm mad about it because just them on the balcony with the song. I mean, it's that's the image I have when I think of Guardians is them on the balcony. It is fantastic. And, and, I, and just it, 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 <laughs> relatively, <laughs> relatively speaking to what moves forward with the other iterations of Guardians and how they fit in, for me personally, Dave, and I think you might disagree with me, I I don't think they have ever succeeded as well in them living in this universe as they did in one. I don't like how they get brought in. As if, I don't think it's as effective. I don't like their other movies as much as this one. This one could have just been but, a standalone uh, okay, and okay. like never but existed we, anywhere we else. And I think it would have gone about, on. We aren't talking about just this film. I know. I'm just saying As a that all these elements, because all, whether or not we want to, you know, we are talking about movies and we're trying to talk about them individually. But most of the movies we're talking about post 2000. But that's the thing. Like the, the thing on the playbill is Guardians. Yeah, see, it's it's just the one film. We're not dealing with the trilogy. We're dealing with. I know, this but one you film. and I, I know, but you and I just mentioned to us. You and I just agreed. I think Jeff did too at the end that. It was almost because of our knowledge of the entire canon of phases one through four that we enjoyed number three, Iron Man, so much. But at the moment, when we first saw it, it kind of like didn't stand out to us so much. The first time I saw Guardians and on a rewatch, it's still like bright and shiny. Yeah. Like it still looks really great yes. to me. It, it it's doesn't improve sure. because of my knowledge of the canon, but it does no, stand out as being much better than the rest out. of the it, Guardians It is movies. a magical <laughs> film. Um, but yeah, so it is up against Jurassic World. Jurassic World, people. So 2015, the last year we're going to get to. John, what other money? What other movies? Jesus, what made money in the year 2015? Well, we got a record breaker at number one for the year. And again, it's always impressive because I like to call this out. This came out the the week, the second week, right, the third week of December, two weeks out from the end of the year, and it still comes in at number one. J.J. Abrams' The Force Awakens. So this is the the rebirth of the new reimaginings of the Star Wars franchise, first helmed by J.J. Abrams, yeah, but this is after the merger. A whole new on the internet. <laughs> whole new fucking, yeah, yeah. And yeah. just just remind you folks, this is after a gigantic merger between uh, Lucasfilms, Disney, and Fox. Yeah. Right? So And they also bought Marvel. So because Fox owned Marvel, is that right? Uh, like, no, that was a whole other correct? thing. Yeah, Marvel no. was okay, so they bought their whole Dis- separate thing. Yeah. Anyway. So this yeah, is Fox, the first time Fox that you owned went... rights to characters Marvel didn't have. So yeah, 
This is the first time you went to the theater and you saw George Lucas films. And you're just like, what the fuck is happening? Like, it's, yeah. it's, all, it's off-putting. But we saw it, and then we saw our scroll, and then December of that year, that movie went on to still, still rake in way more than Jurassic World, which is our number two. Jurassic World, according to my domestic numbers on the numbers, came in at 652 for the year. Star Wars... Episode uh, seven, The Force Awakens, came in at seven forty-two. It, it, almost... it would make it would make more than that. It would keep going. And it broke. It ended up breaking tons of records. Now we don't need to get into the details because everybody had a lot to say about that movie. But impressive. So number two, Jurassic World that we're going to be talking about. Number three, Avengers: Age of Ultron, the follow-up to the first Avengers, which we've mm-hmm. already talked about in our previous um, head-to-head that uh, took the took the mantle on that one. Uh, we don't need to get into the details of this one. Everybody complained about it. So that came in at number three. Number four, maybe my favorite modern Pixar movie, if you can still say modern, post-2010, Inside Out. I think it's an absolute oh, that's a good one. masterpiece by Pete Docter. Incredible. Uh, number five, Furious 7. They're still hanging in there, my, my guys. I mean, they number go good six. from five. We're good. Y'all, this, this, is, this is something about America. And uh, 2015, number six, American Sniper. Oh. That controversial, dramatic, Cletus one film. That came yeah, out last you year, know but it came fuck out that. at the end of the year. So it made a lot oh, of oh, fuck me. Fuck me. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm still going to okay. count it just because that's crazy. They ended up yeah, making that's, that. That's uh, number seven, another summer movie, Minions, the first of the many Minions to come. And it did really well, obviously, top 10. Number eight, The Last of the Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 2. Number nine, uh, Ridley Scott's The Martian with uh, Mr. Ooh. Charming Matt Damon right good. there being The Martian. Once again, spending a lot of fucking American government money <laughs> getting left up there on yeah. fucking Mars. Fucking Matt Damon, get your shit together. <laughs> Come on, Matt Damon. God damn it. <laughs> and number 10, the follow-up to what we mentioned, the Disney live-action reimaginings to Maleficent. The follow-up, number 10 this year is Cinderella, which I still haven't seen, and people told me it's actually a good reimagining, but... yeah. I don't give a mm-hmm. shit. Jeff, okay. give me the context. <laughs> um, so five so five movies okay. made a billion dollars. Going to pay. Right. Five movies. This is his third time peeing since we started recording. That's how you know what you gotta sometimes you gotta just fucking five we started recording our other episode, folks. Anyway, um five movies made a billion dollars. Um Star Wars, this obviously Jurassic World. Five movies seven. made a billion dollars. Yeah, tied with 2018 as the most ever. Uh, Avengers Age of Ultron and Mil- Minions all made a billion dollars. Spectre and Inside Out all made $850 million, so that's fun. Um, Fucking the Mission failures. Impossible Rogue Nation made $688. <laughs> Martian made $653. Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2 made $647. you are talking monster. God Fucking Fifty damn, Shades dude. of Grey came out this year and made $570 million. I mean, this is wild. Um, wow. Cinderella made $540 million worldwide. Ant made five hundred. Crazy. Billion Hotel Transylvania. Fucking San Andreas made four fifty. Like this is fucking crazy. Kingsman made four hundred million dollars. Anyway, Mad Max oh, made three sixty five, and Mad Max was a huge Oscars darling this year. Won six Oscars, mostly in tech. Fury awards. Road. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Star Wars: The Force Awakens nine hundred thirty six domestic overall. Once you add them all up, and over two billion dollars worldwide. It broke a fucking Holy fuck ton of shit. records. Yada 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 awards. So this is this is funny. Somebody quoted this movie on Wikipedia. I, I didn't. I look at other sites too, but they said it was a terrible year for movies. You know, it was one of Hollywood's worst years, but one of movies' best years because <laughs> it made so much money. But this was Oscar so white. This is the year of Oscar so white. So this is the second year in a row that all twenty acting Oscars 
um, nominations were to white actors. Um, you can also remember it as the year of Spotlight versus The Revenant. Spotlight would win Best Screenplay and Picture, whereas The Revenant actually won more Oscars and it had the most amount of nominations. Yada, yada, yada. And Yurito does a back-to-back in director, which is very rare. I mean, Spielberg only has two, so the fact that he went back-to-back is crazy. Yeah, how many times does that happen? Can't be many. It can't be many. I mean, you got to go back to John Ford, or if he ever did it, I don't know. Capra did it. I think Ford did it. Capra, maybe. I think Yurito did it. Chivo, Manuel Lebetsky, wins three cinematography awards in a row. Of course, the first person to ever do that. That is Gravity, Birdman, and The Revenants. That is insane. Gravity took four years to film, so the fact that he did three in a row is fucking crazy. Leo finally gets his Oscar for The Revenant. Brie Larson wins for the hilarious film, Room. Mark Ryland wins for Bridge of Spies. <laughs> and this is interesting, because... Um, Just still talking? Awful. Shut up. Mark oh, Rylance it's... wins for Bridge of Spies. He beats Christian Bale Mark for Rylance. Big Short, which was great, and won Best Screenplay. Shout out um, Adam McKay. Mark Ruffalo was nominated. So that's two Mark R's. Mark Ruffalo tells a fun story about hearing. And the winner is Mark R. That's how close he was to winning an Oscar. Mark R. <laughs> Rylance. Awful. Awful. Uh, Tom Hardy, who apparently never showed up on time to work. Uh, for The Revenant and Sylvester Stallone who had a real shot Idris Elba famously won the SAG award despite not being nominated for an Oscar and he was a huge sight for how Oscar So White um, Beast of No Nation Beast of No Nation Beast of No Nation yeah Harry Fukunaga Alicia Vikander won for a leading actress part two I mean, I'm so sorry. Supporting actress in the category fraud thing because she had 55 minutes of screen time but she was awesome in The Danish Girl and she's awesome uh, yada yada yada. Amy won best doc, and Ennio Morricone finally won his scoring Oscar after doing all the Sergio Leone spaghetti westerns a million years ago. And also, Ex Machina is another film we've talked about on this podcast. What won best visual have? effects. Mc- sorry, sorry, oh, I'm such an absolutely one for visual effects. Ex Machina won for visual effects. Ennio Morricone won for um, The Hateful Eight. The Hateful Eight. Oh. Other films, just just to shout out very quickly. I don't fuck it. I don't. I don't. You know, Ninety Nine Homes, Straight Outta Compton, Sicario. Was fucking Sicario awesome. is fucking Carol, awesome. Brooklyn, Krampus, and fucking Shaun of the Sheep. I don't give a shit. Okay, what else you guys? Yeah, you took about? it from me. I was gonna cut out Sicario because that movie is fucking crazy. Oh, it's so good. And then it's a tiny little movie. horror film that I think has ended up just resonating and having an enormous influence on on contemporary filmmakers. It follows came out this year, and uh, don't know if you guys ever saw that, but that is a we were really... gonna talk about that at one point. Where are we? Yeah. Really cool. You guys definitely, everybody, everybody should check like it you out. Threw you threw down. You threw down for that one, but we didn't end up talking about it's it. Good. We did something else. So. It's a good movie, dude. Yeah. I think it's enough. So anyway, um, Jurassic, Jurassic World, as you mentioned before, because Star Wars would go on, The Force Awakens would be a lot of, Jurassic World made $1.66 billion. I mean, that is, it's one of the highest grossing <laughs> movies of all time. Crazy. Yeah. And I know it What's has the, the name on? and the IP. Have the budget here I mean, no, but I can't be more than like 200. You want to know why? Because it had the word Jurassic in it. Yeah, it's of only course. Because but... it had the word Jurassic in it. Furious like, 7 made 1.5, wow. which is wild because it had the word Furious in front of it. But yeah, Jurassic World is the reboot of the series. And I mean, people loved it. So we're going to talk about it in a I second. Mean, so yeah, it's $662 million just domestic, just in America. $600 million? Holy shit. This Sorry, is Dan. a little awkward. Because the same actor is the lead in both of these movies. He is. And oh, yeah, he was, this is the like, Will Smith thing was, that we had. He was great. But also, like, this, like, the, and the reason I would argue Guardians over this is that... <laughs> yeah, Guardians gave, out, Dave. Go there, Guard, go there. Guardians gave us something new. This didn't. Well, we're off to a good mm-hmm. start here, but yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, uh, no, no, no. But I want to hear. Dig in. Tell me. Tell me why. Well, and just this, to refresh this was you, a folks. Reboot. It was. We. I. I went on record saying that I think Jurassic Park, the original, is going to win this entire fucking thing. I think it's a perfect fucking movie. This is the reimagining. Raiders the next win. Somebody other people's list. I mean, let's go. It has an, a stellar cast like Bryce Dallas Howard, Chris Pratt, fucking Vincent D'Onofrio, who is a favorite of mine, of course. But yeah, he's, again, he's so good it was the same he's thing. Way too much fun. It was. It was. It was they opened a theme park with dinosaurs. They lost control of the dinosaurs. It's the same fucking story. Like all we're doing is rebooting. This is the Force then Awakens. Why isn't it as this good is as the, the Force first Awakens. One. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny that this and the Force Awakens both do that. It's the same bones as JJ Abrams. Literally, said. yeah. It's the same bones. But why is that the meat, the tissues, the, the meat and the potatoes? Why are they so different in both of these situations? I know we're not talking about the Force Awakens, but well, they didn't bring back an old actor from uh, Jurassic Park and kill them. He demanded to be killed. To be fair, he, he did. To be he did. And also, and if we did, if we didn't bring them back, people would be like, "Something fucked up's going on." <laughs> Dave, are you saying this movie would have been better if we would have seen Goldblum or? Yeah, it would have been better if you knifed Sam, Sam Neil. Uh, like Sam Neil. <laughs> yeah, we got we got BD Wong. Did nobody, nobody kill Laura Dern. Laura Dern is safe, no matter what. But yeah, because uh, she was twenty six when they made the also, first one. She yeah, can make leave the, the next BD Wong the fuck alone. BD Wong is awesome. I met um, Wong once. Yeah. Let uh, me ask you a big picture question. I rewatched it. Did you guys rewatch this, by the way? I had not seen this since it came out. Do you remember the franchise face off? I talked about how I just the kept second time around for me. I do remember I've that. I've seen this Jeff, enough. Yeah. I've seen this enough. Your whole, your whole, <laughs> <laughs> your your rant on this whole series is, is fantastic. And then I, I, I think both buttons. I'm I'm Jesus. Jeff drunk. <laughs> I think if I remember correctly, I think I got a little frustrated and upset when we were talking about the last Jurassic Park because we oh, saw that this yeah. past year when it came out. Yeah. That one really frustrated so did me. I. A little bit. Yeah, I, yeah. That one bothered me. And no no hate or shame on no. Colin Trevorrow who's made all of these movies. Um, but for me, I think in, in this rewatch, it became really clear to me that what bothered me about this one was the casual nature of their sci-fi. It was such a given kind of what you're saying like they're just doing it again so i guess they're thinking well we just gotta if we're creating this world then that means we're living in a world where we've done this before so it can't be a big deal that we're doing it again yeah it's it's and like this, i it's... think they lost some of their power by taking that approach would yeah could it have been um, cooler if what's up what? trevor o just did the first and the fourth he did not do those he did not do dominion he did not do fallen kingdom he just produced this back to he you. produced those okay okay yeah because he stopped I, I guess making I wonder ridiculous if... comments I guess I wonder if part of the problem that I had with this was was how casual everybody was in their roles in this world on this yeah. island because they already did it. What if they had been doing it again and the risks were the same? Then I don't think I would have minded them doing the exact same kind of structural, you know, the bones of it as yeah. you were saying. But because everything had already been done and they were already they were they were referencing the fact that it had been done before, but they made me feel like they had this totally under control. The first one was an experiment. This one just seemed like everybody was doing their job, and then a dinosaur gets loose. And I don't know. There was just there yeah, was some it's like disconnect a fucking there for dinosaur me. Always gets loose. It's a fucking dinosaur. That's the point. 
Um, I got so the first my numbers one, wrong. All the dinosaurs get loose. Yeah. That's a bigger deal. There's yeah. only been three. So he did the first and the third. He didn't do the second one, which is Fallen Kingdom. He directed Jurassic World and Jurassic World Dominion. He did not direct Fallen Kingdom, which is J.A. Boyega. Okay, sorry. I kind of liked Dominion. Biona, J.A. Biona. I'm so sorry. So what do, you, what do you think? Do you, do you agree with me that that's the ultimate issue with this? Is that the number one symptom? The casualness of the sci-fi? Yeah. They fucked up on scale. Yeah, was, I just didn't get scared. Do you remember? I've given this spiel too many kinda, times. It was this, kind of almost, this. and I would, I would use this to describe. Um, one of the Resident Evils got there. Uh, the Resident Evil films, where it was like, here's the game level, and here's the boss battle. Then the next game level, the boss battle, and that was that was what this film came across like. It was like it's a game level. Dignity. So this is my complaint, and ultimately. I, I don't know if I'm quite as hard on this movie as both of you, even though I've ranted on this a million times. The pro- I almost feel like they did a, a survey of attention spans and they decided that you have to give everybody <laughs> a yuck periodically. So there's basically just like, a, oh, this is happening. Oh, no, no. Oh, this is happening. Oh, no, no. Oh, this is happening. Oh, no, no, no. Whereas the Jurassic Park, as John has mentioned many times, is actually a horror movie, which is a slow build usually. And of course it has the scares, yeah. but the actual through line is just going up, up, up very slowly. Yeah, throughout there, the are, there are serious case, threats. When these boys are talking in that pod, you can't sit, you can't tell me that you're sitting there going like, oh, I'm really fearful of the sake of the island or whatever. They're talking about like their divorced parents and stuff. And I understand, I understand how that's very meaningful to a lot of people, that kind of storyline but it's so obviously divisive. It's so obviously manipulative. Um, and it's it's a way of them going, okay, they're taking a break. You know what it is? In theater, we, it's a set change. They would be performing that in front of the curtain. Yeah. And everybody in the audience knows they're just they're just killing time until they change what's going on behind the curtain. And that's and the what curtain the curtain comes up and they're trapped. Yeah. And the Andromeda, because I actually think the Andromeda's Rex thing is actually pretty good. In the theater too, when you're trying to figure out what this thing is, where is it? Why can't we find it? Oh, it has the heat. I think that actually works just fine. I'm not saying it's brilliant, I mean, but it yeah, works yeah. pretty to, well. To quote a previous film we recognized a minute ago, it's Ex Machina. Ex Machina is like it's like they, we provided this device that was a bigger threat. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. It, I think. It's, I think it's, for me, it's like they watched episode one of Star Wars and went, there's always a bigger fish. So they just keep making a bigger dinosaur. Which is which 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 was the trap of this franchise to not hold Colin Trevino and this new reimagining totally accountable. You know, I think they did that with number two and number three after the initial Jurassic Parks too. Um Jeff, you said it that, you know, I've always said this is like the first one's like a horror movie. The rest of these movies end up just feeling like adventure movies. Yeah. And there's something a little bit more shallow about them because you're never actually concerned. Um, I like that there is a threat of concern that all of the guests are still on the island when this happens. That's fun. Oh, the birds. And yeah. I like, you and know, when the, yeah, when the pterodactyls come and yeah. start killing them, like that, that <laughs> definitely raises the stakes. That's that's really cool. I still had I had fun rewatching this. I still mm-hmm. think this is the best of these reimaginings. Hundred like, percent. Oh yeah, that's um, true. You know, there are things happening, but ultimately, it just feels it, it's it's the basis, it's the foundation of their story because this park had apparently been existing for years, and they were pulling it off so successfully. I did not feel any tension 
from the fact that it existed. Because, you know, in the sequel, it's number two and number three. You were waiting for the cool moments. That was the thing. It's like you're watching it. You're not tense. You're waiting for the cool moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And number number two and number three, even though it felt super divisive, at least you had Jeff Goldblum in those sequels saying in the exposition, you guys are fucking idiots. You're doing it again. I mean, number Nobody three was, number three was very subversive of everything that came before it. So number three yeah. gets props in my book, but this is number one. I like number three. And it didn't. Chris Pratt, hold on, wait, wait. Chris Pratt sort of says it this time yeah. because he says, you're not treating them like animals. These are actual animals. I really like his scene when he sees Andromedus Rex and he says, this thing was raised in captivity. You're fucked. It doesn't yeah. know how to interact <laughs> with anything outside yeah. of it. You're never going to get it to <laughs> act normal because it doesn't you. know what normal is. <laughs> I, th- there are a lot of moments that make sense and work in this movie. But for me, it's just that foundational aspect, which that is so gigantic. I guess we can hold Colin Trevino and the people who pitched this idea to them that we were succeeding in this as opposed to trying to reopen a park. I wonder what it would have been like if they had tried to launch a new opening and they had guests on the island for the first day. I think that would have been a more it's, tense movie yeah. myself, but they didn't want to make that one. So it's an impossibility. And it's three that they... hours long, and the second half is the trial. It's probably not three hours long. <laughs> it's it's it is an impossibility that, that, that they that was an Oppenheimer joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is an impossibility that they are going back to the same island. So again, with the divorced parents thing, I know it means a lot to a lot of people, but it's like the kids are going on a trip to see their aunt who doesn't like kids, who now runs this this dinosaur park, and you know it's going to go wrong. So like, yeah. whereas the first Jurassic Park, it's like, what happens if we exist with dinosaurs? That is an actual question well, that is asked. The thing in is, this one, in, in the that first one, do, is, is non-existent and it doesn't matter. So all we are doing is waiting for shit to go wrong they know it. They know we know it. Yeah. They know that they can sell a lot of stuff. They call it the Pepsi Andromeda strain. They know this kind of stuff. So you're just literally sitting there waiting for it to go wrong. And then when it goes wrong, it's how is it going to go wrong? But it doesn't have the point. The point of the first one is what happens if dinosaurs came back? The point of this one is how are things going to go wrong? There's no why. There's no what or why. It's not there. It doesn't exist. Dude, and it just good like, job, dude. You, you know, you fucking nailed it. That is that is yeah. exactly what I was trying first. to say. That foundational but, question yeah, that, doesn't exist, so therefore there's no tension because that's, of it. That's the thing. It's it's, it's like truth. the first one, when shit happens to the kids, they're trapped together and you care. Who gives oh, a yeah. fuck about the kids in this one? And, all right, but Dave, all right, Otto, let's, let's just true. use that scene as an example. And let's talk about the differences in filmmaking because, again, alluding to that, like that sequence with the T-Rex in the first one, is a horror sequence. Yeah. Shamelessly on its face. I don't think you you want and to believe that everybody's going to make it out of that. Yeah. Cuz we know they shouldn't interact. Humans Someone and T-Rexes shouldn't interact. We know that to be true. They <laughs> I mean it, it eats the guy in the shitter. <laughs> You're right. This is the first all right, let, let's connect let's connect all of our dots for our listeners. That sequence in number 1 with the T-Rex is the first time that Jeff's question gets answered. The question has been asked by multiple characters in the first one leading up to that point. And now we get to actually see what happens when we have to deal with this reality. Mm. And he paints it in such a, it's not adventurous at all. It is result, 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 result. The characters are changing in front of our eyes. Whereas with adventure, you know, you're kind of seeing these people go through these circumstances, not expecting them to change too much. They're just moving from one plot point to the next. When yeah. those kids get trapped by Andromedus Rex and that cool dinosaur with the club tail, I still enjoyed, you know, watching the... Yeah, I the wa- fun I, is great. 
I was paying more attention to the Andromedus Rex trying to adapt to its environment and kill everything in sight yeah. than I was watching humans deal with yeah. the fact that they were it's surrounded like, by it, dinosaurs. Fuck the kids. That'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. So I think just not only on the story on its page, like what is the point of this scene, but also in the filmmaking, it's almost it almost kind of felt like they weren't trying to make us think that there was any big picture question being asked. It was just watch these kids in this glass ball. Not and, and ultimately, Howard, what are the consequences right. of Andromeda's Rex? Yeah, yeah. Same thing with Bryce Dallas Howard, who is not in the scene, but it's like she runs the park. So in theory, it should be like, what happens when there's chaos? Honestly, it's kind of, it, I think it would be a good TV show. What happens if you run Jurassic World from the perspective of Bryce Dallas Howard? That'd be pretty fun. Yeah. They have made that video, and we game, I think. We yeah. haven't really touched on it, but I still am not sure if if I like or dislike the whole angle with training raptors like sometimes i watch this and it bothers me a lot sometimes it doesn't bother me as much i just it's really far-fetched it's a that's a tall order right that's a tall order order to get on board with but the funniest thing is i I went with that because chris pratt sold it yeah he did a good job and d'onofrio sold it he was like oh you've trained these to do what and like he was the bad guy but yeah he sold it and then he sold me I'll push back on that because I enjoyed his performance so much this time. He sold me that he believed they could be trained. I don't know if they sold me that he had any evidence supporting that they could be super soldiers. That's it. No, 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 for sure. Well, because he believed that they can't be trained, trained, but they can be trained to not kill him. And that's a start. And like, maybe, (laughs) but not super soldiers. I I don't think he ever believed that. But like, they they believe that he believed that he could, they could coexist. That's what it was to me. The super soldier thing was is always far fetched for sure. And he had a fun yeah. death. He had a fun death. But I wonder if it would, what it would have felt like if it had been a little bit more grounded and sincere. I know, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, uh, right. so I think we know. So it's garbage. I think we know where this, this is going. going. Yeah, I'm voting for Jurassic World. Yeah, get the I'm fuck gonna, out of here. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, <laughs> Dave. Guardians all the way. So Avengers and Guardians. Guardians. I mean, hell yeah! Like I think these are two great Marvel movies to move yeah. on. That's awesome. All right, people. We have one more week before we have to get into our next round, which I, I don't even know how that's going to look. That's it's going to be wild. Well, but... no, we've we've still got one more round of this before we get into the bracket. Yes, yeah, so that's what I mean. So one more week, and then we go into the next. Next round. week is interesting. Okay, what do we have for next week? Do you have them up? I uh, do. I yeah. For 2016, we have the follow-up to Finding Nemo. Yes. Finding Dory came out right smack dab in the middle of the summer, June. 2016, so that'll be a fun little reboot. Versus 2017's Beauty and the Beast. No, I Beauty and the Beast. I have Wonder Woman. Let's let's do Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman it is. No, 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 let's do it. Because Beauty and the Beast came out at the end of March, but let's do fucking Wonder Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, for sure. I have Wonder Woman, yeah. Twenty, and then that'll be the first one. So that's Finding Dory versus Wonder Woman. Finding Dory versus Wonder Woman. How the fuck? God damn it, guys. Yeah. That's going to be hard. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. And then 2018 versus 2019. 2018, I wish it was Black Panther because everybody thinks of that movie when they think of that year for blockbusters. It came out late, in February. Yeah, yeah. So we have a decision. We're not late yet. Infinity War came out April 27th. Do you guys want to count it? Or? Or it would be Incredibles 2, which came out in the middle of the summer in June. I mean, that technically, I think... I think April's pushing it. May is already pushing it. The May 3rd, 
I think, yeah, I think no, it was, it was May. May was the cutoff. All right, yeah, I'm we, fine we, with we that. Said May, Incredibles so. 2. We got another Pixar standoff here. That's going to be fantastic. Incredibles 2, 2018 versus 2019's. Live again, same deal with the Avengers. So I have the live action The Lion King. I have a live action. You have Aladdin? Aladdin? Yeah. Guys, this is real. Fun. I have Aladdin as. We're going to work this out Aladdin. and we'll, oh, we'll you'll find out what we do next week. Yeah. It's The Lion Let's King for sure. Aladdin over the summer. Aladdin domestically only made 355. The Lion King made 544, according to the numbers for Shit. domestically for the year. And that ah. came out in August. I remember it coming out in August. Um, is that outside that bracket? No, I have, July, I have The Lion King coming out July 19th. And Aladdin coming oh, out I May twenty fourth. We can check it. Yeah, we'll we're check having it. a moment here, yeah. listeners. But I we think did, it's going to it, be. It's funny because the list I was sent that I built, that I Lion built King. this list off, was the first list we found. Then we found other lists. Yeah, because <laughs> so, I remember. I remember I, if thinking this it was isn't a lesson and not trust what you find on the internet. What is? <laughs> God damn it! We're so unprepared. We're fine. We'll work it out next week. I have The Lion King by a long shot coming okay. out July 19th. And I have Aladdin making $200 million less than that for domestically coming out in May on May 24th. So it fits within the summer. It just made a lot less money the than The funniest Lion King. thing is this is the link you sent me. <laughs> Guys, The Lion King made so much more money than Aladdin. Wait, but Aladdin made more money worldwide, though. So that's the tricky oh, thing. Oh, fuck that. No, okay. Wait, is Aladdin's that true? No, out. that's not true. That's not true. The Lion King definitely made more money worldwide. Sorry. And they both came out in 2019, right? They both came out. Yes. So Aladdin yeah. was May 24th. The Lion King was July 19th. Lion King would make $1.6 billion worldwide. Aladdin just over one. Uh, what about domestic? Because domestic is what we do. The Lion King fucking smoked Aladdin domestically. Okay. Fucking smoked So it's the Lion King Aladdin. live action. God damn. I'm excited. Oh, I've damn. never seen it. Are we? Uh, what? I thought. I saw it in theaters. I've heard John Favreau talk about, talk about all his technology. I'm excited. All right. Heard, yeah, heard this. Okay. So Finding Finding Dory versus um, the Jungle Book was a rehearsal for the Lion King. Yeah, dude, seriously. And then Incredibles two versus the Lion King. So what a weird little ending to yes, Ghostbusters <laughs> and Raiders of the Lost. <laughs> Ghostbusters and Raiders Lost, but these fucking movies are going on. Let's go, people. Weird, I mean, weird. are we going to throw in wild cards? What are we going to do? We'll I mean, find I, out. At this point, like, can we just put Raiders and fucking Ghostbusters <laughs> forward and skip next week? I mean, <laughs> holy shit. But we'll talk about them. These movies made a lot of money, so let's talk about them. Oh, yeah. All right. Good times. Good episodes. Happy 200th, you fucking cunt. Yeah, no, what you've been are watching. We, are this we doing what you've been watching? Have you, have you watched anything good, Dave? Two? What, what you've been watching, Dave? I don't know. I didn't write any notes. <laughs> I don't know. Save, save it for next week guys this has been three and a half fucking hours of talking to you guys for it really a episode well, I, I, say, I just fucks. want to brag a little bit that tarantino class guys i got to watch uh this week we watched we're just going in sequential order so i watched death proof which was awesome ah. and then we watched inglorious bastards so we're doing it we're and doing it on yeah. the big screens uh, was fantastic. So and i also watched um all of the second season of the bear which was enjoyable so good, a lot. i really like that show I, I don't feel like talking about this. Dave, do you have anything else? Not really. I, I'm just still going with uh, Strange New Worlds and X-Files. Love it. And you yeah. saw two movies. I saw one. Okay, cool. Yeah. Guys, 200 episodes. Congrats. Cheers to Yay. you all. Is that your, is that your cat? Yeah. You can hear oh, the cat. She's so been mad. howling for like hours, dude. I'm surprised. <laughs> I, just, I, just heard heard I just heard her for the first time. Dave, for your cat. 
<laughs> <laughs> All right. See you next week, film fans. Got to even cat the bees. Yeah.